This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified Profiting From Your Passions coach, Kate Fessler. Welcome to Change Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler. My guest today is Phyllis Gunderson. Phyllis enjoyed painting as a young child and was encouraged by her parents to pursue her passion. While her dad was overseas serving in the U.S. Air Force, her mother gifted her a year of training in a local art gallery. There, Phyllis learned the basics of oil painting and fell in love with the medium. Although she continued to paint throughout high school and college, Phyllis put down her brushes and put aside her art for several decades while she concentrated on building her career and raising her children. Phyllis's very career led her from law enforcement to the aerospace industry and high tech. While working as an executive coach in England, she also took on the role of chief information officer. Once she arrived back in the U.S., Phyllis decided to return full-time to her first love, painting and translating the beauty of what is to a new beauty. Today, as owner of Humming Wolf Studio, Phyllis specializes in two-dimensional oil paintings that are, in her words, representational of nature, reflecting the spirit of the land and animals. This year, she successfully participated in 12 art shows in Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and Texas. In addition to her artistic talents, Phyllis, Phyllis continues to use her skills as a coach, mentoring corporate clients. These skills have also translated into the, into the commission work she does for her art clients, as she is able to help them articulate what they're looking for in beautiful art. Phyllis is an active member of the National Association of Pen Women, Inc. and Oil Painters of America. She's a recipient of the Twin Award from the YWCA Silicon Valley and was most recently honored by the National Association of Professional Women as a 2017-2018 inductee into its VIP Woman of the Year circle for leadership and entrepreneurship. Welcome, Phyllis. Thank you so very much for that kind introduction, Kate. Let's go back to the beginning. You were passionate about art as a young child and your parents encouraged your talent. So why did you choose to pursue other career paths? Well, once I um, started college and started talking to my uh, counselors, and they're looking at my skill set and uh, scores from high school, etc., they encouraged me to find uh, a place for myself that I could support myself because they didn't really think that I would be able to support myself as a full-time artist. So I started um, studying in college, um, primarily in urban planning and public administration, um, keeping my art pretty much on the back burner. Mm. So what led you to law enforcement? That's interesting. Um, it, it, 
it was an interesting path to get there. But in uh, college, I showed a particular um, affinity for um, municipal government and, quite frankly, helping those in need. And uh, I took on a role at uh, Los Angeles Police Department as a uh, analytical analyst, uh, providing them uh, studies on uh, crime patterns and such. After hmm. I started that work while I was still in college, um, I decided to um, get closer to the work and uh, join the department. Hmm. So how did you make the transition then from law enforcement to technology? Well, um, as I was uh, working as uh, the only female police officer on a, a patrol beat for nearly 300 miles in the Central Valley of California, mm. I found that um, I had learned what I, I came to learn. And that was to um, really face my concerns and my fears and um, become closer to the people around me. So I made the decision to move forward, and uh, I did some interviewing with a couple of firms and was offered several positions with a large aerospace company. So you didn't just downgrade your talent to a hobby. You set it aside altogether while you were building your career and raising your family. Tell me why. Well. Um, there are only so many hours in the day, and I have a pursuit of excellence um, that requires a full focus on what it is that I'm doing. And um, while I was um, working and finishing my uh, postgraduate work, um, there was only time then for my family, and I wanted to make sure that I was as engaged in my children's life as I possibly could. So the brushes were put away, and put into the closet and said, I'll see you later, not goodbye. Ah, set aside, not discarded. Exactly. So your career has encompassed not one, but two traditionally male-dominated fields. With all the recent news about sexual harassment, are you in the hashtag MeToo category? Unfortunately, yes. But um, I consider that uh, a learning experience, and as I have grown in leadership, and uh, one of my passions is mentoring, is making sure that I translate the skills that I learned along the way, uh, either in law enforcement or in high-tech management, to um, many of my female mentees on how to address and find their own courage and speak up for themselves and avoid some of the things that those of us in the 70s and 80s had to face. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that it's coming to this point because, you know, I was thinking when it first sort of started, I was thinking, well, haven't we all, you know, it, to us, uh, you know, and I'm speaking for myself as well, um, it was, that is what you had to do. You had to learn how to navigate it. You, you weren't going to change it, right? It was sort of an accepted thing that you just had to figure out how to deal with as opposed to, hey, that's not okay. That should stop. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, many of us thought it was a rite of passage, and that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, no one, girls and boys, should ever be uh, harassed or assaulted due to their sexuality. 
and um, what you do to help mentor those along the way is channel them to find their courage and ways for them uh, where they feel comfortable, how to speak up, and how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Well, you climbed pretty high on the corporate ladder, chief information officer and executive coach. Aside from what you were just saying, what advice would you and do you as a corporate mentor give to women who want to follow in your footsteps? Um, let me uh, answer that a couple of ways. The advice that I give um, my, my mentees, most of which are women, uh, probably 20% are men, is um, be the best that you are of yourself and bring all of yourself to your work every day. And don't um, make the mistake that many of us made early in our careers trying to hide or minimize um, those strengths and attributes that may be considered fem overly feminine or um, not part of the current culture. Um, so bring your authentic self. Make sure that your work is excellent. Uh, beyond report or approach. And then finally, one of the best ways to learn is to teach and to um, find uh, an opportunity for you to mentor others in your skill set, whether it be uh, technical problem solving, uh, management, uh, transformation. Uh, my field is particularly in change management. Um, find others that um, can benefit from your help and your mentorship and your advocacy. And by so doing, you will grow more than you ever realized. Mm. So you mentioned change management. What are some of the biggest challenges that are facing organizations today that they need help with? You know, I've spent um, much of my corporate career in this area, and I think the biggest challenge uh, in any corporate environment, especially in uh, environments that um, have grown and created a brand uh, that is easily recognizable, is that the not invented here. If our brand is working well, why should we change anything in our culture to move forward? And I think that's one of the biggest issues um, to get your clients to recognize that um, to have a viable brand, the brand must continue to evolve and adapt to either, in my case, new technologies or the applications thereof, or uh, new structures or ways of uh, treating their employees. So um, it is really getting the emotional and the irrational to uh, be understood, and then to be addressed in clear, uh, a clear methodology. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> um, yeah, the did you say irrational and emotional? Because I think those are the things that most people are unwilling to look at and most organizations for sure don't always recognize as some of the primary drivers of their culture. 
Right, and um, you're absolutely correct in the irrational and emotional. But what the point that I was trying to uh, get at was that there are rational reasons for doing things in an organization, and then there are emotional things that you do or reasons that you do things. And to recognize that there are actually two different camps, and they're not all in the uh, sacrosanct bucket of we can't change this because it will affect our success or affect our uh, brand. Mm. Um, harder to address, quite frankly, is the emotional side. And that is actually uh, where a lot of strengths can come from if we understand it and talk about it and resolve to adjust it. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the TWIN Award that you received from the YWCA of Silicon Valley. What is that? Well, that was a, that was a wonderful uh, award, and quite frankly, I was quite surprised. Uh, I was recruited from uh, our corporate headquarters on the East Coast to come to our company, one of the companies on the West Coast, to literally um, consolidate and uh, transform the information technology in one of the lines of business. And um, once I arrived there and diagnosed what some of the issues were, and within one year um, developed an organization, stood it up, and started changing behaviors not only in the organization and how it was um, uh, perceived, uh, I was nominated uh, by company uh, leadership for this prestigious award in Silicon Valley for women in uh, technology and women who have uh, changed the culture and changed the direction of, of their company. Brilliant. Now, you've also recently been honored by the National Association of Professional Women as a 2017-2018 inductee into its VIP Woman of the Year circle for leadership and entrepreneurship. Congratulations, also very prestigious. What do these awards mean to you? Um, I think the awards uh, mean or represent a validation of the approach that I took many years ago, quite frankly, of finding out and facing that which I was afraid of and learning to trust my instincts uh, whether it be artistically or in management or in technology, and moving forward with that. So those are a validation of the path that I took many years ago. Mm, that's a really important thing, and I, I think for women uh, specifically, but probably for a lot of people, um, we don't trust ourselves. We kind of look externally for validation of what we may be thinking or feeling. And if we don't see it, rather than trusting what's inside, we often try to conform to what we see outside. Absolutely. If I couldn't underscore that anymore, you hit the nail on the head. And learning to trust yourself is the goal that I have with all of my mentees and my approach for myself with my art. I have to trust my intuition. And in those paintings where I have trusted my intuition, those are my most significant pieces of work. 
Hmm. Well, we have to take a short break. But speaking of painting, when we come back, first love reawakened. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's virtual office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's virtual office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. Welcome back. You are listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and today my guest is Phyllis Gunderson. Phyllis, you recently retired from your corporate career and went back to your first love, painting. How did you decide the time was right? Wow. I'll have to answer that in two parts. Um, The first part was um, I picked back up my brushes about six years ago. You know, the kids were out of the house, they were out, done with college, etc. And um, I found my brushes and thought I'd pick them up again. And I started painting, but I didn't um, think that I was quite ready for a career in my art. My art mentor, uh, Wendy, said, Phyllis, what are you doing? You need to start showing your work professionally. And with a little bit of encouragement, uh, I did that part-time for the last four and a half years. Um, So that's the first part of the answer. The second part is uh, when I came home from England, um, it was an absolute wonderful experience in England. Um, Not only was the work exciting and meaningful, but the culture of uh, the uh, British Isles was just fabulous. And I came home, and I looked around, and I looked at what I had accomplished in my corporate career and said, yep, I think I've learned what I needed to learn there. It is time for me to go back, go full circle, and go back to my first love. Because I had started seeing some uh, success in um, part-time art sales, And with the encouragement of my husband, I jumped in both feet this year. I announced my retirement, and uh, this year I uh, completed 12 shows in several states. I want to just ask about one more thing and touch on something, because you said this earlier, and you just said it again. And I think this is an important point that I want people to get. You said you'd learned what you needed to learn. And you said that about your law enforcement career, and you just said it again about this. And I think often what people don't get is that it's a journey. And we have seasons in our lives, and we have certain times in our lives when we're in a particular place at a particular time, but that doesn't mean we have to stay there because we're there for a reason. And there's something that we're meant to get out of it. And you seem to be particularly good at noticing when it's time to move on. I think I am. And that goes back to the other point of learning to trust yourself, uh, learning to trust your intuition, um, learning to be open to the new opportunities in your life. 
And uh, I think a lot of us miss that final point. Even if you're good at trusting your intuition, sometimes you're not quite ready to leverage or even see an opportunity when it gets there. Um, mm -hmm. Life is a journey, and it's a, it's a series of doors and experiences. And you pass through a door, and you soak up, and you're ready for that opportunity. And there are times, and especially in uh, most careers, where you're going for something, and it doesn't happen. And that door seems to be shut. Instead of saying that, oh, that was bad, no, that means that there's another door over to the right or to the left that needs to be opened. And there, there's a, a spiritual uh, component or a cosmic component of everyone's journey, whether you're ready to recognize it or not. But you, you're given things on this earth to learn, to enjoy, and to give back. And once you have filled those buckets, it is time for you to move to that next door. Because if you don't, you're being incredibly selfish, not only to those around you, but to yourself. And you're not gleaning everything that uh, you have to gain from this life. Mm-hmm. And it can be very scary, and people do... Uh kind of get paralyzed by that especially it seems as we get older we're more resistant to change um, but you know there's nothing more constant <laughs> than change right and uh, to resist that really causes a lot of pain when it's really time for us to move on and we're not doing it exactly uh, in reviewing my own career working with people in their careers you can almost hear the I need to make a change screaming out at you at the feelings of frustration or at uh, the feelings of emptiness because you're bored um, or um, conflict with the overall organization. I, I'm not advocating mm -hmm. that people uh, change directions every time they run into a brick wall. Not at all. But what I'm saying is that uh, be open uh, to your own insight and that small voice um, that says to you, you know, you have more to offer and maybe you've offered everything that you can in this environment. And mm -hmm. it's you, you know, I think someone told me, uh, it's time to find your joy elsewhere. And mm -hmm. I definitely did. Uh, I had a wonderful, wonderful career, varied career, diverse assignments, wonderful people, lots of uh, recognition in corporate America. But at the end of last year, I just knew in the marrow of my bones that it was time for me to take that step to go to the full circle and, and take that step to go back to my roots and take everything that I have learned about change and transformation and technology, quite frankly, and apply that to my art. Hmm. Another great point, because I always, you know, one of my philosophies is it doesn't, ha you don't have to make it wrong to make a change. 
a lot of people think, well, if I hate my job or I hate my spouse or whatever it happens to be, you know, or or if they feel like they want to make a change, they they go in that direction so that they feel more justified in making the change. But as you said, you can just say it's time to find my joy elsewhere. And you don't have to make the situation wrong in order to make that decision. Exactly. And if I may, I'd like to talk about two of the paintings that recently found their forever home. And one was called New Beginnings, and the other one was called Change. And the reason I want to highlight that is listening to your own intuition, listening to your um, own thoughts, and that translates into beautiful art. Uh, For example, New Beginnings, I knew I needed to do a new painting. And it was the night before my last day in corporate America. And I had this dream about a um, black feather with lavender undertone. So I said, Mm. well, I ought to pick up my brush, and tomorrow morning I'll I'll start painting it. And as I uh, worked on the painting, uh, and I laid in the underpainting, I noticed that I had one of my brushes from when I was 13 years old in the gallery. And it just kind of, this huge smile erupted on my face. It said, I am going full circle. This is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, the messaging of the painting was to go forward with a purity of heart uh, to my new adventure. And um, the feather rec- represents that signal of that spiritual we- uh, wisdom is accessible to you. And uh, the transmutation of any negativity to go forward. So I had come full circle. Mm. So that painting at that juncture needed to be painted uh, for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it now has its forever uh, home by a noted uh, author in uh, Virginia. Oh, very nice. And then the other one was Change, and I had started that say, a month or so before. And again, it was based on an intuition, a dream state. And uh, it was an orange feather. An orange represents um, that you need to listen to your inner voice. And to be creative, orange feathers represent creativity. And um, so listen to your inner voice, be creative, and make the change. And that painting practically painted itself. And it now hangs in Texas. Now, I have one of your feather paintings called The Golden Gift. Yes, you do. In fact, uh, Kate, that was the very first of the series. Um, I was, again, having a dream. And it was a feather in the moonlight. And um, so I painted it. I learned to trust. And after I did some research, um, the golden feather represents uh, a new path, um, abundance. And um, after I did the research and I was talking to some of my more spiritually oriented friends, and they said, you know what, somebody's talking to you. And after the summation of the conversation, I discovered, or I believe that it was my mother who had recently passed. Ah. So, uh, excuse me as I get a little bit choked up. But that that painting was the very first of my series uh, of my spiritual work. 
Well, I love it, and I find it very inspiring every day when I look at it. Good. Now, that's the intention. So you obviously love to paint, and you have this sort of spiritual connection with your paintings. Did you have a hard time adjusting to be a, quote, professional artist with all that that entails? <laughs> One, a couple of things that surprised me was um, that so much of what I did in corporate America applies to being a full-time artist, except you have to do it all yourself. There's marketing. There's logistics. There's uh, financial planning. There's a strategy that needs to be put in place. Um, so uh, that was a bit of a transition. You know, I, you, you kind of start off thinking, well, if I paint, they will come. And uh, the, the, the purpose of the journey of going from corporate to fine art basically says, yeah, you got part of it there, Phyllis, but you know, you have to do the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And um, so some folks will, in fact, many folks, when they find out that I was an engineer in my prior life and now I'm an artist, they go, how can you do that? And I says, it takes both sides of my brain to do what I'm doing successfully. So you've got to work the right side of the brain as well as the left side of the brain. Mm -hmm. Do you ever wonder, what if you had chosen to become an artist way back when instead of the career path that you did take? No, I don't, quite frankly. Um, I believe that the path I took was the path that I was destined to take. Uh, maybe not every twist and turn was destined, but again, going back to being a lifelong learner, there were things that I did not know and had no opportunity to learn when I was 18 years old. Uh, and I needed to learn about life and uh, leadership and intuition and courage along the way. I don't think I could have short-circuited my journey. We're almost out of time. So I have to ask you, what is one book or resource that has changed your life that you would recommend to people? Being a voracious reader, um, I think I'll, I'll recommend um, one book in particular. And it's entitled Courage, The Backbone of Leadership, written by Gus Lee. And um, it's a book that I often give to my mentees about owning your courage, uh, learning about what it is that you need to learn, doing what you need to do, and being who you need to be. And it's to overcome your fears and develop moral courage. You know, there's, there's lots of different types of courage, but I think the most fundamental is in the area of moral courage. You know, what is right and what is wrong and how to appropriately stand up for what is right and what is wrong. Um, and then uh, the finally the follow-through. And Gus makes excellent points about these, these three steps, about the rightness of, of action, addressing the concerns, and then follow through. And it applies not only to leadership, but it applies to other aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Where can people find out more about you and see, maybe buy, some of your artwork? 
Well, I do have a web presence, and uh, you can find me at pagunderson.com, and uh, or you can send me uh, a note through your your channel, and I'll be more than happy to answer the their notes. Their okay, questions. that's p a p as in Paul or Phyllis a g u n d e r s o n dot com. Correct. That is correct. Perfect. Phyllis Gunderson, fine artist. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Kate, and thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I will be right back after this short commercial break. Are you a speaker who has an inspiring, insightful message that will help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? If the answer is yes, we invite you to become a pro member of the eWomen Speakers Network. We have over 500,000 women connected through 118 chapters spread across North America. We're looking for speakers to share their wisdom and breakthrough ideas. Go to eWomenNetwork.com and join our Speakers Network. The benefits for pro speakers are incredible. Go to eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back to Change Redefining Success. I'm Kate Fessler. Do you have a deferred dream? Is there something you were passionate about once that you put aside for other things that's calling out to you again? Don't ignore it. If it's coming around again, it's probably the right time for you. As Phyllis said, the path she took was the right one for her at the time, and it led her back full circle to her first love, which is even better now because of her life experience. If you're not sure what that might look like, a profiting from your passions personalized consultation might be right for you. Send me an email at firstclasslife@outlook.com to set up a complimentary 30-minute strategy session, and we'll find out. If you have something to add to the conversation, please leave a comment on my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions. If you'd like to be a guest on my podcast, please click on the link at the bottom of the show page and fill out the survey. If it seems like a good fit, I'll be in touch. Continuing with the theme of resurrected dreams, next week my guest is storyteller, writer, narrator, producer, and actor Chris Kepler. As a young child, Chris was painfully shy, but she loved to sing and longed to be in school musicals. Unfortunately, she was told by her high school choir teacher that she possessed an awful voice. Nevertheless, she persisted, and in her senior year, she played a nun in the chorus in that year's musical, The Sound of Music. In junior college, Chris joined the choir where the director believed in helping his singers and gave small group lessons. He discovered Chris's lovely voice. But still, she lacked a musical ear and found herself on the discard pile once again due to her inability to sight-read music. After junior college, Chris quit singing. She joined the ranks of corporate employees working as a purchasing agent. In her mid-30s, that old yearning to sing resurfaced. Chris located a voice teacher telling her that she wanted to sing musical theater and possibly try a little opera. She also told the voice teacher that she sang mezzo-soprano, the lower female vocal range. Upon hearing Chris sing, the teacher quickly realized that not only was she not a mezzo-soprano, Chris is a first soprano, the highest female voice range. The voice teacher taught Chris to take her range into the stratosphere. She learned to sing opera. She joined the chorus of a community theater Gilbert and Sullivan production. She further studied singing and acting, refining her skills with more prominent stage appearances. As an actor, Chris has an IMDb page with several film credits. 
Chris has expanded her range to writing business blogs and satire, performing her own material, doing e-learning, video game and explainer video voiceovers, narrating and producing audiobooks, and she also has her own podcast. I hope you'll join us. In the meantime, here's to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com. EWN Podcast Network.